Hey, Faith. Hey, Dan. What day is it? It is TV Tuesday. It is TV Tuesday, and we have a pretty special one today. We are going to be doing a review of Stranger Things Season 3, which just premiered on July 4th on Netflix. We both woke up early to watch it. I had chocolate Cheerios. What was your breakfast of choice? I don't remember. I think I had a bagel. That'll work. I think that's what I had. Breakfast of Champions. (laughs) So before we get into it, I'm just going to say that there will be spoilers in our review. We're going to not try and give too much away, but we figure if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the show Mm -hmm. already. So let's go back. We talked about The Vanishing of Will Byers on last week's episode, and you and I both really enjoy that episode. We both really enjoy that first season of Stranger Things, don't we? Yes, we do. I asked you last week, I'm going to ask you again, just in case people listening didn't hear it. What do you like about that first season so much? It's just, it's creepy. I like the look of it. I like the tone of it. I just like everything happening with it. What do you like about it? I like a lot of things. So before I tell you what I like about it, we we watched season three. Mm-hmm. And we both, we did it independently of one another, but we were texting each other as we were doing it. Mm-hmm. And I went back and finished season one. And the thing that struck me about season one of Stranger Things is that it feels like a show you could go to the video store and rent that came from the 80s. Like it mm-hmm. actually was produced in the 80s. Right. It didn't feel like something trying something to newer. be the 80s. There's a lot of homage in that, in that first season especially, but I never feel like they're hitting a nail on the head and trying to get you with nostalgia feels. Uh you made a great point that the character of Nancy Wheeler is named after Nancy Thompson from A Nightmare on Elm Street. In one of the great scenes in season one, they're getting ready to fight the Demogorgon, and it is straight <laughs> out of Elm Street 84. But I, it didn't make me go, ooh, I'd rather be watching Elm Street. It's like, oh, that kind of reminds me of Elm Street, and then you're on, but it's its own yeah, thing. Exactly. It, it, it's paying homage and being very respectful. So... I think season one is just absolutely fantastic. And then I, I finished season one and went right into season two because I'd only seen it once. We didn't talk too much about season two last week, did we? I don't mm-hmm. think we talked about it at all. I don't think so what did. are your general impressions of season two? I think it's kind of a toss up between which one I actually like better. I like season two a lot, though. I like how we kind of jump in. And I mean, if you've seen season one, you know what's happened, and but you kind of jump in, but you feel like things are a little back to normal, right? Right. Uh huh. Right. But you kind of know what's going to happen throughout the season, kind of right away. It's kind of set up instantly for you. Exactly. You so know they get, where we're going to go through these eight episodes. They do a right great away. job because this world has been established. Mm-hmm. You've, you've, uh, you're familiar with these characters. And within, I think, the first half of that episode, Will has his first episode. So you know exactly what you're going to be dealing with for that episode. And they also actually state the theme of the episode very early. Paul Reiser's character says that they're going to be dealing with PTSD because Will is experiencing Mm -hmm. PTSD. And those other characters, I think, are dealing with what happened from last season. But... The big takeaway from season two is it feels like a pretty natural continuation of season one. It feels like what great sequels do. The world gets a little bigger. The the stakes are maybe a little higher. In this case, the monster is actually bigger. So, and there's more of them too with Mm -hmm. those demo dogs because that's Demogorgon and dog. It makes it sound really cool, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> as our as our favorite Dustin says. So it it just feels like a real natural continuation of the story and and it feels like it's coming directly out of season one. Now I have one or two kind of problems with season two from a structural standpoint. I think there's a little bit of a drag in it, uh, pacing wise. That's fine. I'm, I'm able to overlook that because I enjoy spending time with those characters. My other big issue with season two is that you stop the main action to go off with the other, uh, Kali, I think was her name. Mm -hmm. The, uh, super powered, girl that's like 11 i think she was number six six mm -hmm. six i like the idea of that but it did not pan well, out well, right. for me and then the other problem as we get we're going to talk about season three they didn't bring that idea in the season three so it doesn't really pay off for me i think it's neat that she got to see where she came from a little and there's others like her out there but it stopped the action just dead in its tracks it's like kind the, of a waste of it, it felt like if, a waste yeah, of we're an, gonna go right with it. Mm -hmm. it felt like a backdoor pilot for for another show that they were trying to do <laughs> and especially because i was watching it last night and the demo dogs are coming out of the gate and hoppers there you know mm -hmm. it's right before they take over the laboratory and so here they come and then boom you're into the 11 episode and you're going wait <laughs> wait what's <laughs> what's going on here so again i can kind of see what they were trying to do with that but it just uh, didn't work. It, I just I just don't think well. it worked. And it seems to be a lot of people out there seem to have the same opinion of that, that the pacing seems a little off as compared to season one. And that episode kind of sticks out just a little bit. And I'm not going to lie. Watching it the second time I skipped it. So it, but <laughs> but uh, season like if we're going to give season one, if we're going to rate it, I'd give season one like a real solid nine five. It's just yeah. so good. Season two, I'm going to give a good solid eight, eight, five. And the only reason I'm taking off is because I don't like that one episode and because it's such a hard act to follow that, first, that first season because it's so close to perfect. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to season three, which we're doing. As I said, we're going to have uh, possible spoilers here. What did you think of season three? I will say that I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I, it was a big disappointment for me, mm -hmm. and it started very early with the first episode. Yeah, uh, Julia, do you copy? Was that her name, Julia? I believe Susie. Susie, do you copy? Mm -hmm. I felt like this season is like an episode of Degrassi High. <laughs> I feel like they they spent so much time with with teenage uh -huh. drama, mm -hmm. and I also had a problem with the characters in this season. I didn't feel like. Some of the characters were the same characters that we had been seeing for two seasons. Right. In particular, uh, Jim Hopper did not feel like Jim Hopper to me. Mm. There was a real grounded sense of realism with Hopper. Uh, he, As we said, he feels like he came out of an 80s movie. He's got mm -hmm. that kind of tragic backstory. You see this with the Stallone type movies where he was a big city cop and now he's trying to get, you know, trying not to right. uh, this kind of redemptive arc, you know. But he felt at least like a real guy. Yes. And here he feels like a superhero. He, he feels like a character. He feels like a character, an overpowered superhero yeah. character, an Arnold Schwarzenegger type. Because nothing really, you know, Jim Hopper just, just whips ass the entire <laughs> episode. And uh, there's kind of a Magnum P.I. riff going on with the Hawaiian shirt. And he was watching Magnum P.I. at the beginning of the show. And he's got mm -hmm. the mustache and all that. So... The point I want to make, though, with the references in this 
season, in the first two seasons, it never felt like the references were being made and then being commented on. As we said, they make the Elm Street reference, but they don't say anything about that. They don't say anything about the other things. In this, they seem to be commenting on all of the references that pop up, like uh, the Magnum PI thing. They call him Rambo at one point, you know, mm-hmm. a fat Rambo. They didn't do much of that. So it gets a little meta in this season. Yeah. And all of that really kind of took me out of the mm-hmm. show. So let's get back to the that was one of my big problems with it. And I texted you, I said, I think the problem with this season is, and as a writer, I can't believe I'm saying this, there's too much character stuff and the plot seems very secondary. Yeah, it was like it was lost a little bit. Just So in the very first episode, The Vanishing of Will Byers you know what the arc of the season is. Right. You know what the big deal is that they're going to be dealing with, the big deal that they're dealing with. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're professional here on the late night Friday. Um, but in the, as, as we said, the, in the teaser, the first eight minutes of that episode, you know what the big mystery is that you're going to be dealing with. You're introduced to most of the main characters within that time span. You know, Will's disappeared. You know that there's a monster involved, and you go from there. It wasn't until the very end of this episode that you knew what was going to be the major kind of evil they were dealing with right. in the season. And even then, you really didn't know what the major evil was that they were going to be dealing with. I don't think we knew until what, maybe four or five episodes in. I feel like it was th- three for sure. It was, it was pretty far in. Because I feel like the first season, like you said, you're, that first episode, you know what's going on. The second season, the first episode, you kind of know what they're going to be dealing with. And then here you go in a third season. You're just like, um, here's the kids. The really kids are sure coming back. Right. And I love these kids. I love these kids. I, do too. I just felt like there was a little too much of it. And I felt like this season got a little cute. Mm-hmm. It, it got a little cute. Now, this was also now this is getting some great reviews. And if you're out there listening, you absolutely love this. We as we've said before, we're not talking bad about you. I, I enjoyed parts of this season. It's just I was disappointed overall with this. Yeah, I was disappointed in the story of this season. I, I still liked the characters and there were certain aspects of the way it looked that I liked, but I didn't like I didn't like the plot and the story at all. I didn't like the whole Russian plot. I did not like that. Now, let me ask this question because I was talking to my friend Kate about this and this was a question that we raised as... as we were having a conversation about it. Why did they build the Starcourt Mall and build all of that stuff underneath? And how did they do all of that when there's a perfectly good operating lab that's there in the town <laughs> that they could have used, snuck into and used? So that from the lot again, okay, I get it. This is a show that has, you know, uh, the other, the upside down that you can go into and monster. I get it. Okay. <laughs> but still you have to ground these things with some kind of logic. And I felt like that was just, very strange. Very strange. And not in a good very, way. Yeah, not very in, out there and odd. Very Because it's very deep into the earth, you know. And I had a problem suspending my disbelief with that. And then I had a problem with teenagers and preteens beating up on Russian soldiers. And, and it it just felt, if the I know that as fantastic as the other two seasons are, it, there does there's a sense of realism to them that I feel is lacking in this. And they mm-hmm. were going for jokes and comedy. And they would undercut all of these wonderful moments with things. And then my my big problem with this, too, is Winona Ryder's character, Joyce Byers, 
I have no problem with Monona Ryder. We love Monona Ryder. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I am so sorry. Oh my goodness, what is that? That's my alarm going off. Oh dear. During the show, it's okay. I'm so sorry, I didn't know it was thirty seven thirty. Now people know that it's time for Faith to take her medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even have it. So and she doesn't even have it, so <laughs> this might be an interesting buddy in the show. But uh, my problem is not with Monona Ryder's Joyce Byers, but uh, there's a scene where Joyce realizes that there's some electromagnetic uh, funk mm-hmm. going on in Hawkins. She believes it has to do with the laboratory and with everything that they've been dealing with. And it seems like everyone involved in the first two seasons has forgotten that some weird crap happened over the first two seasons. I know. She seems so content and normal about it. Like... <laughs> Right. And she goes, you know, there's something wrong with the electromagnetic field. And Hopper's just like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, yeah, like okay. Like, it make it, it really just didn't make a whole lot of sense uh-uh. to me. Um, it really took me out. Um, like I said, it was just disappointing to me. I didn't have a good time watching this. No, I, I had planned on binging this show from start to finish no stops. And I went to, I, I went swimming for five hours in between. We both had the plan of, of, binging from start to finish i took a two-hour nap i stopped at six uh, the, or five right five or six and i went to ask uh, well, went swimming it and like i said it just and so what they're doing in this in this season is they're kind of doing the thing and the invasion of the body snatchers and i don't feel like any of that pays off either like no. uh because i thought they had a great opportunity with the mayor character played by carrie elways for him to be some kind of booger of some kind you know but no he was just a he was just a corrupt politician exactly. <laughs> and not a lot there. And you wasted Carrie always, who's a really good actor. And he also kind of looks like Matthew Modine. So I thought they were going to try and do something there. They had a throwaway line in the series about how the Russians, they're trying to open the gate again. And that's another problem I have. It negates season two. So what they did at the end of season two, closing the gate was for nothing because it just has reopened here. And it's mm-hmm. the same villain. And it, it just felt like a cheat. You know, it yeah, it just didn't pull me in like it, one and two, right? Always does, and it didn't feel like there were personal stakes here because the one that you're dealing with is Billy, mm-hmm. uh, who's kind of your main heavy, and there's nothing redeeming about Billy there. No. So, it like I said, it felt like a whole lot of ideas, good ideas thrown together that didn't equal one great idea. It, but um, let's let's talk about the character though, because they do. Now, they introduced a character in this season that we both really liked. Robin, the ice cream girl that yes. works at Scoops Ahoy with Steve Harrington. And before we talk about Robin, we talked a little bit about Steve Harrington last week. How amazing is it that the biggest dick in season one... Now, there were some redeeming qualities to Steve in season yeah. one. He was not he was not a total dick. He was just kind of a dick. But I think he realizes that he's a dick. He really comes into his own in season two, and he gets uh, some lot of screen time here in season three. And one of the things that people liked in season two was the relationship between Steve and Dustin. And what did you think of Steve Harrington here in season three? Because I, I feel like this was could have been the Steve Harrington show. Yeah, I could have. I mean, I could have watched the show just based on him. Really, I loved him. I think he stood out. <laughs> I yeah, he he really did stand out. But uh, Robin is played by Maya Hawk, who is the very lovely and talented daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. And when I told you, I texted because I was like, "Who is this girl?" Because I was about two episodes in and just had fallen in love with her. And yeah, I love her. She feels like a character that belongs in this show. She does. And 
uh, Maya Hawk feels like an actress that belongs on this show. And she kind of looks like her mom and dad, but she sounds like her mom. Yeah. Freakishly sounds like her mom. I love her voice. Yeah, her voice is great. What did So you really enjoyed Robin. I enjoyed Robin, the character of Robin and her interplay with Steve. I thought that was I, I liked the fantastic. whole little, well, I didn't really care for uh, Erica. Oh, we were going to get to her. Yeah. Okay, well, I was going to say, I like that whole little group of Dustin, Steve, and, and Robin and Robin. their little adventure. I like that part of the show. And Robin is a great character because Robin challenges the Steve character because he has undergone so much growth throughout this, the past two seasons. And she really brings even more out of him. And it's so great to see him. And and uh, Joe Keery, the actor, just coming to his own. It, he's they're wonderful, and Dustin is is great together. Now they bring in a character that they introduced in season two. I didn't like her in season two, and that is Erica. That either. is uh, Lucas's uh, sister. Mm-hmm. I did not like her. I don't like when kids are written smarter than their age. She is written much smarter than her age. She's very smarmy, mm-hmm. um, very narcissistic. I just don't like her attitude. everything. Everything. Every time she opens her mouth, it feels like something real sassy. Yeah, something real sassy is is going to come out of her mouth, and it was just too much. Yeah. And they tried to do the '80s trope where the real cool kid becomes a nerd, or is actually a nerd, or something like yeah. this. She had Revenge of the Nerds. It. They tried it with her. I didn't like. I said and watching her in season two. She grinds everything to a halt for me in season two, but for some reason they she's a fan favorite, and so they gave her a lot more screen time here. And I think the show suffers because of it because she so. was taking me out of the show. And this is one of the things I'm talking about where serious situations are intercut with with comedy, and she's one of the main problems to me with it. I totally agree. She's just anno- she annoys me. She annoys me <laughs> big she, time. She really she really annoyed me. Uh, what did you think of the kids, the other kids? Because I felt like they, of course, they were all great, you know, but it just felt like a Degrassi I High episode. Like, I felt a disconnect from them. I just felt like they were there, but they weren't really there. They were just part of the show, but right. was, there was just nothing major. I think I even texted you, there's no urgency. There's no sense of tension or urgency because, in the like show. Because like you said with Billy, he's not really... He's not my favorite. He never really was. It's like, eh, you know. Right. I don't really care. I want to see something else happen to the, the main kids. And I think it has to do with plotting. It has a lot to do with it. But there was no sense of urgency or tension. Mm-hmm. And you hit the nail on the head because watching season one and two again, even with the pacing problems I have in season two, which are minor, it's not a big deal. It does not take away from my enjoyment. There's just some little issues. Right. And that's a screenwriter nitpick. That's a and that's a, it is. I'm I'm being honest. It's a it's a nitpick. It doesn't take away from my enjoyment of it. I've seen the season when those dogs come through that building. I was on the edge of my seat it's again terrifying. watching it. Yeah. And speaking of plotting too, Paul Reiser in season two. I wanted more with Paul Reiser. I wanted uh, to follow up on what he was doing with that lab being closed and with the secrets there at the Hawkins lab. I just didn't feel like we got. A lot of that. And let me also add, this is not one of those times where I was writing something in my head. I didn't know what they were going to no, do. Me so I wasn't expecting anything, but I just didn't really like what we got here. Me um, I feel like we're definitely lacking. I don't know if it's the word answers I'm looking for or just we're just lacking something from the, you know, the, I mean, first 
two seasons are just right. That little bit of magic dust that yeah. was over them. So let's get to it. This to me encapsulates the entire problem with this series. It is in the last episode, the Battle of Starcourt, where our characters are running from the mind flare that has been resurrected mm-hmm. and uh, all manner of just nastiness. So, and I now. Let me say this before we get into it. I had texted you. I was an episode ahead of you. And I said, oh, wait, here's some honest tension. There was some tension when the thing <laughs> is in the mall and they're throwing fireworks at it. Yeah. And it got a little on the creepy, suspenseful side. And that was the first time it felt a little creepy. The season didn't feel creepy, did it? It didn't have that. No. that, that, that I that was never like vibe. on the edge of my seat. You know, that feeling right. like, ooh, like, you know. So the battle is coming to a head and... We don't know what's going to happen, but it is a very tense moment. There's a chase scene that's happening. Uh, Hopper and Joyce Byers are trying to get into a lab. Time is of the essence in this moment for our characters. Again, a little bit of tension. Mm -hmm. And they stop what they're doing to have a musical number. (laughs) I got online, looked at the YouTube comments and read it. People seem to love this. So I have a feeling we're going to get crucified for this. Uh, we're not trying to be disrespectful, but I thought this was everything wrong with this, with whole. this whole season <laughs> was that they stopped in the middle of a chase scene to sing the never ending story with a character that you have not met. Right. First off, I hate musical numbers. Right. I hate them. Um, I don't, I, I, th- there may be a few I can you know tolerate, but this right. one was making me cringe the whole time. And I don't care how great the reactions of the other characters were. That was an honest-to-God moment of tension that was cut with a joke. And it was at that point I went, they're kind of doing Family Guy now. <laughs> this is what they're doing. It's Family Guy. Yeah. It it just didn't feel like it had that honesty that the first season had. That just This felt like somebody doing the 80s. The first one felt like yeah. it came from the 80s. So yeah. I was disappointed. I was really disappointed. I am right there with you. It... Um, like I said, I know a lot of people out there, reviews are in on it. They're saying it's the greatest, funniest, most terrifying chapter in Stranger Things. And to everyone out there saying that, I would uh, advise you to please watch the first season again. Mm-hmm. See, this, I, I went back and watched the second season. Mm-hmm. And I even texted you and I said the first episode of season two is more exciting than the whole entire season three. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine asked me how it was, and I told him, I said, man, I, I don't know. Watch the first episode and let me know. And he texted me. I recalled me after he watched the first episode, and he said, what is this? <laughs> he goes, because this isn't the show. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know. So a little disappointing. I know they're probably going to do another one. Hopefully they can get that mojo yeah. back because there's some unanswered questions. I feel like it just kind of, you know went off its tracks a little bit like you know it really did it felt like it meanders and they yeah so uh stranger things like i said just just very disappointing i'm not gonna say i hated it but it was not my favorite i I, I did tell you i I like the colors i like the neon can't go wrong with neon let me say this about the mall having grown up i was six years old in in 1985 um they nailed the design of the mall (laughs) That took me right, especially when I saw the Walden books. I went, oh, goodness, this is this is the 80s. <laughs> it looked like a fun place to be. And yeah, it did. And I'll say this, too. I know I knocked on them commenting on the 80s culture. I really enjoyed the moment, though, where Steve and Robin uh, discussed Back to the Future. <laughs> they were they were a little high on some Russian drugs that had been administered to them for interrogation purposes. And 
they were trying to understand that uh, Lorraine Baines McFly had the hots for her son, Alex P. <laughs> Keaton, Michael J. Fox. I thought it was precious because I've had this conversation with people before about the screenplay for Back to the Future. So th- that was a nice, I thought, a fun moment. Um, but other than that, though, it, it, like I said, it just it was a disappointment. If you liked it, more power to you. And if you did like it, drop us a line. Let us know why yeah, you liked why it. You I would, didn't like I would it. love to know. And if you have some different thoughts on the never-ending story, uh, song, musical number, let me let me know because it just to me that was what was wrong with this season was it was too cute. It got a little too cute. Yeah. So, anything else, Faith? I think that's it. I think that's it here. So I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you in the Upside Down. Ooh.